1: Welcome, time bomb enthusiasts, those who want to see a little more of the two quarries, Baywatch fans, fans of Charles in Charge, oh, and a special shout out to the fans of the erotic thriller. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But school's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. Oof, it's been a while, Slumber, since we've had a regular episode of High School Slumber Party, so long that I kind of botched the intro, but hopefully you didn't notice. Thank you so much for partaking today in High School Slumber Party. And I say it's been a while since regular High School Slumber Party, because we just released an episode last week on Ladybird, but it was an AP episode with Island Addington. We had a lot of fun, as always. Check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review or a positive rating of some sort. You can also tell a friend about High School Slumber Party. And remember, class participation is a huge part of your grade. So hit us up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, The other episode we released before that AP episode was a couple weeks back, and that was uh, basically the reason why there hasn't been a lot of episodes of High School Slumber Party. But I tell you, we were reeling to go, we were ready to go, we were excited, and my computer broke for a couple weeks. I don't know, maybe it was a sign from the universe, but we are back. Disclaimer and disclosure here, though. These episodes were recorded a couple months back, so they might have some dated things in them, but just ignore them. They're still fun. Today's episode has blown away another chapter in our Two Corys series. So, of course, Mike Mancy is here, and also Kristen Larson, who is a purveyor and expert in the erotic thriller, which should surprise none of you, because he's a man of romance, I think. No, I'm just joking, because he is an avid VHS collector. I mean, he might be a man of romance. I'm not sure, but you get it. This is in his wheelhouse. It's in his niche. And I can't, can't wait for you guys to hear this episode blown blown away. Whoa, 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 whoa. The bell does not dismiss you. I dismiss you. It's our senior year. And guys, I wasn't going to say this, but I'll say this today. I got a really, really, really strongly worded letter from the superintendent of the High School Slumber Party School District. Seems like... These missed episodes have resulted in us having a tenuous credit situation. So I'm going to need to speak to the truancy officer. I mean, in the meantime, listen to the episode. Here's a weirdo song from the film. Pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother you're sipping up Brian's, Because we're about to get our party on. Class dismissed. We have a guest this time, so let's get the introductions over with because there's a lot to talk about today with this this glorious movie. So, Mike, as as, <laughs> as my ranking Corey expert, why don't you go first, and then our guest will go?
2: Sure, absolutely. Uh Mike Manzi, RHS class of '97, go maroons! Woohoo!
1: And our guest today is, uh, I would say, an expert in erotic thrillers. <laughs> 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 An expert in a lot of stuff too. But, but you know, for, for today's lesson, we have our eroticism professor with us today. So uh, introduce yourself. Sex 101?
0: Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, uh, I hope I live up to that title. Um, yes, uh, Christian Larson, also RHS, but a different R, uh, Ramsey, class uh, of 97 as well. Go Rams, not very creative. Yeah, and, you know, as far as my title goes, I am an expert, I'd like to think, in erotic thrillers and in schlock, and this is a perfect (laughs) marriage, just an absolute perfect marriage of the two, because it's bad.
2: Yeah, yeah. When, When I think of, like, people who could appreciate Corey movies, Larson, you're up there on the list, not just because of their quality and stuff, but because of the genre most of the... Them seem to fall into,
1: <laughs> especially especially in the '90s for sure. Yeah, Once we yeah. get here, it's straight to VHS stuff that yeah. uh, we've had fun yeah. with actually. Oh um, yeah, the last two episodes were insane, and the eroticism here surprised me.
0: Yeah, a big part of what makes this movie so make me want to take a shower afterwards <laughs> and cry is that the Corys, you're used to them being these wholesome, you know, all American kids. And they're just so skeevy and erotic in all the <laughs> worst ways. Just yeah, yeah, I never wanted the words erotic and Corey Feldman in the same sentence. No, here we are. We've been getting like
2: horny Corey Haim recently (laughs) and stuff, but it's been very lighthearted and flirty and things like that. But this is like, this is like an adult film that a bunch of kids decided to make. They cast children instead.
1: This would have been the most like creepy erotic thing I'd seen this week, but I recorded uh, Caligula for the Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, Yeah to forever, guys. So this was my palate cleanser from Caligula. However, however. This, is, this,
0: is, this is Kid-Ligula. If you ask <laughs> oh, you.
1: God. Do not say that I ever mean, again. <laughs> I, I,
0: I mean, I'll say this before we get into the details, but overall, this movie reminded me very much of The Room, you know, the infamous Tommy Wiseau movie, because the dialogue sounded to me like it was written by someone who didn't know how people spoke to each other. I, I was yeah. shocked to learn that the writer created the Stargate TV series. So, yeah.
2: okay, it, that ran for a while. Yeah, it, it sounded like
0: the Corys wrote this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, it just wrote it. It sounded like they didn't know how people talked, how relationships worked, or anything. And it's just done so cheaply and it looks so bad. And the acting and it, it's yeah, a and disaster. Like the sex- the sex and scenes the sex go. scenes, just Ugh. like the room, just like the room, the sex scenes go on too long and they make you feel really uncomfortable. And it, they're meant to be so sexy. <laughs> okay, so before we
1: dive in though, what is your history, Larson, with the Corys themselves? Well, I imagine you didn't know them personally, but you know what I mean. Like, imagine if you did. What if we? <laughs> well, true, I don't know that. <laughs>
0: If I did, I would disavow that knowledge completely after watching this movie. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was a I was a child of the 80s. So Corey Feldman particularly uh, popped up in a lot of stuff I watched. I, I always think of him in terms of The Goonies uh, and uh, uh, The Lost Boys and The Burbs, uh, which is one of my favorite movies. Corey Haim. Not so much. He was the he was the heartthrob, and Feldman was like the wisecracker. Yeah. So you know, I always kind of gravitated towards Feldman, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Corey Feldman specifically was a big part of my childhood, which which made this movie all the more disturbing. Why?
2: <laughs> because <laughs> right, you almost see his wang. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well. Yeah, that's and one you, of and the you many... do see you do see his butt.
2: Like, that's weird. I never thought I'd see both Corey's butts.
1: Oh, boy. And then uh, can you briefly tell the Slumber Party audience, like, uh, your little dalliance with the erotic thriller genre, (laughs) and maybe some of your favorites in that genre?
0: Oh, sure, sure. Um, I mean, my wife, Alyssa, and I are both huge fans of 80s and 90s erotic thrillers. They vary in quality, but they're, they're always a good time. Mostly a good time. In October, we watch horror movies, and in December, we watch Christmas movies. So in November, we watch erotic thrillers. Of course. Um, <laughs> there are some that are legitimately good. A Jagged Edge with Jeff Bridges and uh, Glenn Close. It was one of the first movies written by Joe Haas, who is a frequent collaborator with Paul Verhoeven, kind of the godfather of the erotic thriller. He also wrote Basic Instinct, which is great and then you have just absolute garbage like boxing helena uh which is about <laughs> a man who amputates the arms and legs of a woman he's obsessed with and keeps Ooh. her in his house i love some of the later ones uh to die for is a great one with nicole kidman absolutely and uh wild things is a movie that uh, i always <laughs> recommend i always recommend revisiting it because it was the movie where you saw Nev Campbell and uh Denise Richards make out when it came out. That was pretty much all it was known for, but <laughs> it really is a very like tongue and cheek funny but also just like raunchy and and the the story is well written lots of twists and turns, so if I could recommend any I would say back and watch wild things nice yeah no wild things that's a great one as well
1: were either of you familiar with this one though today blown away
2: i was yes so i remember it being on hbo in the 90s when i was in high school i remember it being like i guess at the time now you got to understand this was a 13 year old boy going through puberty <laughs> at the time this was a must-see movie because <laughs> Nicole Eggert, one of my like childhood crushes, was going to get naked in this movie. And like, I understand how that sounds now. It's like terrible. It's creepy and everything. But like, that's who this movie was made for. Okay. (laughs) Like when, not to skip ahead or anything. And yeah, I haven't seen it since 1993. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And watching it this time, I definitely, you know, fast forwarded through the sex scenes (laughs) and stuff because I'm very uncomfortable Uh, seeing new teenagers at this age on camera and stuff. So I, yeah, that's kind of my history with it. You know, I figured I'd be as frank as possible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was not aware of this at all. Even in erotic thriller circles, uh, this is not mentioned (laughs) in even like a top 100 list. And honestly, I had no desire to To think of Corey Haim or Corey Feldman, especially as sexual beings. But again, here we are.
2: That's the craziest thing is like, how are we here? Like, they're not, they're not like sexy dudes in anything else, you know? Well, I mean, Corey
0: Haim was like, he was the heartthrob. He was in all the magazines, but.
2: Yeah, but so innocent. Like, they're playing such against type, it
0: feels. Yeah. "Ah,
2: We'll get into
1: it. Well, this is something, well, one, uh, off the bat, the Corys are not supposed to be the teens in the film. The high schoolers are playing a little bit older, which, Mike, you and I will see that like even three years from this, Corey Haim goes back to playing a high schooler in some films. <laughs> yeah. But um, Nicole Eggert is the teenager. She's 17 in the movie. She was, and I don't want anyone to think we watched something illegal here. She was 20, 21 <laughs> at the time. And for our sake, for our research sake, she was dating Corey Haim at the time. They did three movies in succession, which was this one, Double O Kid, which you and I have covered, Mike, with Awesome Little Southern, Mm -hmm. and Just One of the Girls, the straight-to-VHS Just One of the Guys sequel, if you will. Whoa. They must have filmed these all back-to-back-to-back. Corey Haim, I'm filling in a lot of the blanks, but he definitely wanted to shed that teen heartthrob image with a lot of the roles he was taking here um mike we talked prayer of the roller boys yeah even a demolition high where he's Uh got a gun and stuff is he still playing younger people yes but he's clearly looking for roles that will make people think differently of him for better or worse
2: what what's a little weird about that if i could jump in is like i don't feel like feldman was doing much of anything at that time right like he was still pretty much coasting on that same image he had developed pretty early on. It was like sustaining him. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic that they're going through. It just seems like Hame
0: was working way
2: more. Oh, for
0: sure. About Feldman, like, yeah, he is kind of playing the the same old wisecracking character, but the twist he puts on that character is makes it so much more creepy and disturbing. Like he's the Mm -hmm. best friend. He's got the wacky advice, but he's also horny all the time and like <laughs> saying gross things always. And it's like, I don't want my Feldman like, this.
2: <laughs> they're almost like the evil versions of themselves. in this yes. In yes. This movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're trying so hard to play against their type. It probably mirrored more. I don't think there were like these guys in real life, but there were bad boys in real life. Right. And they probably read this script and they're like, oh, look, we could be in this movie and my girlfriend could be in it, too. And we're going to really show people that, you know, we're not those kids anymore. We're like sexual beings and murder and stuff. It's like, okay, buddy.
0: Yeah. And also Alyssa asked me if this was a period in their lives where they were like on drugs.
1: Yes, it was.
0: Yes, absolutely. And partying really hard. So like they might have made questionable decisions.
2: Yeah. There's a party scene in this movie. I feel like that's a real party. They just (laughs) are like, Hey, we're shooting a party. Like, let's just have real beer and drugs.
1: (laughs) There's very little info on the Corey films in the nineties. And especially this film, there's not a lot of uh, background stuff, but whenever we do find background stuff, it's the director complaining mostly about Corey Haim and his behavior on set. So, Hmm. I wasn't there, none of us were there, but it's safe to assume this is another one of those films in that era, if you will. And if you're not familiar with Blown Away, here is the back of the VHS write-up, Found it online, and do not own this. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. (laughs) Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, and Nicole Eggert star in this erotic thriller about young love gone dangerously wrong. Rich works as an activities director at a fashionable resort in order to earn money for college. He meets the blonde and beautiful Megan and soon discovers she is not your average 17-year-old. Despite the warning from his older brother Wes, Rich plunges into a dangerous and obsessive affair with Megan. But Megan has more on her mind than love. She has plans for the future that could include murder. Is Rich the man who can help her make her dreams come true or a pawn in her game of deceit? Wow! Spoilers there. Wow. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know, I'm glad they mentioned it on the box, but they're playing brothers.
0: <laughs> brothers. Yeah. These yeah. two are brothers. <laughs> I think they Amazing. mentioned some at some point that they're half brothers, but oh, oh okay, different okay. different
2: mother, maybe same dad or something. But and yeah. also, hasn't Corey Feldman played a guy named Wes like five times? Wes. <laughs> less.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's on par for him. Are any of you guys familiar with this director, Brenton Spencer? I was not.
2: No, I thought at first it was the guy from Star Trek. Isn't there a Brent Spencer plays like Data or
0: something? <laughs> <laughs> right, Brent, Spiner, Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner. Brent <laughs> Spiner. My yeah. bad. Uh, but yeah, I looked him up, and he he mostly was just a cinematographer.
1: Uh, this
0: him. was his first time working with you know the craft of acting. And uh seemed like he really hit it out of the park. I mean he's working with two old pros, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it looks like he directs a, or
1: then went on to direct a lot of T V and stuff like that. Yeah, but
2: That makes sense. This looks like
0: television. It does. It does. Not this is like
2: this is like, like Larson, you remember silk stockings?
0: <laughs> oh, sure,
2: absolutely. This felt like an episode of that, or something. Oh, yeah. I don't I mean, know.
0: <laughs> every everything about it, if it wasn't for the nudity and and the the language, I would have thought it was something played on USA at ten p.m. Uh, before the movie started on a Friday night. Is
2: there anything else quite like? Is this what like the genre became of like? Fear and the crush and poison ivy are those kind of the offspring of what they're trying to do here because of like it's just a weird thing to have like an adult sort of sexy thriller played out by teenage,
0: um, yeah, characters. yeah. I mean, you know, looking at other erotic thrillers, it does have a lot of the staples, it's got the femme fatale it's got you know the confused young man who gets in over his head <laughs> you know it's got the twists and turns who do you trust you know uh somebody stuck in it in a terrible relationship and they've got to get out of it maybe murder's the only way so yeah it it felt like whoever wrote this watched a lot of erotic thrillers in fact there's a a car chase the girl in it Megan her name is uh They never waste an opportunity to show that she's bad, you know, like she's bad news and uh, dangerous. And whenever she drives her little red Porsche around, she's cutting through traffic and like driving cars off the road. (laughs) She's a maniac. And that is something right out of basic instinct. Sharon Stone's character does the same thing. And it's sort of like an easy way to show the audience that, ooh, watch out for her
1: yeah uh, they definitely definitely took from from films like that <laughs> the other note i just want to make before getting into the cast really or I don't, there's not really much on the cast either but um just talking about the film is that it was shot in Corey Hames, native canada this is a canadian mm-hmm. ski resort that is no longer open and a lot of the background actors you see are sort of just people who star in films that are only shot in canada It's not a diss i love canada but it's uh Definitely a hometown production. Maybe Mm -hmm. he pulled some strings and got it made in Canada. Who knows? But again, we have Haim as our lead rich. We already said that. Nicole Eggert as his girlfriend. Corey Feldman as the brother. Was there anyone else in the film you recognize? Oh, Kathleen Robertson, right? As Darla, the other girlfriend. She's from ex-girlfriend of Corey. She's from 90210, right? Yeah, like tail end of 90210. Right? Right? Yeah, (laughs) the end of 90210.
0: (laughs) The next... Uh, credited actor is the cop because there really aren't well no there's the dad but the cop in it is like a uh, i believe a native american canadian actor who's got an incredible uh character actor resume his most recent gig is on the um the show um the pirate show the guy who did jojo rabbit what's his name Uh,
2: our flag means death
0: Yes, yes.
2: I'm looking at him now. I have definitely recognize him. His name's Gary Farmer. He's on Reservation Dogs also and like tons of oh, other
0: movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen this guy. Uh, th- was the dad anyone famous? I mean, I saw that the dad had done some stints on uh, soap operas, but uh. nothing really of note. <laughs> and he's like <laughs> yeah. French or Italian <laughs> or something. I... It's
2: weird. He doesn't have a big career, but I have sworn i saw him play Dracula or something.
1: <laughs> it says LeClerc also appeared on Broadway as the title character in the production of Dracula. Did you see him on Broadway, Mike? Oh, wow. He was a Dracula? Yeah, yeah I I did on it. Broadway.
0: That's crazy. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
2: it's my instincts. My monster, yeah. my monster radar. Yep.
1: <laughs> so really not much to talk about in production, which is good. It leaves us plenty of time to talk about the wackiness of this film. Oh, um, another trope I do like to mention, especially in this era of film, but all teen film in general, we get a horse girl, right? That's like a genre of person on screen we get sometimes. And just horse people, yeah. who, people who like feel close to horses. So I don't know, want to bring that up as well.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you do bring that up because in a lot of films, a woman riding a horse, it's it's supposed to show that they're independent and, you know, maybe a free spirit you know, all the way back to Lady Godiva, like women riding horses has always been kind of taboo. And um, my wife and I watched the first episode of Dynasty a while ago, you know, the 70s and 80s. And the daughter on the show is a, you know, a dangerous free spirit and she's introduced by riding a horse. And that's kind of how the audience is like, oh, well, she's, you know, but but this girl is more than just a free spirit. She is uh she's something else. <laughs> she's a wild card. Um, yeah.
2: I was thinking of that glorious intro scene in Cool as Ice when Vanilla Ice Robbie Van Winkle is on his motorcycle and sees the beautiful ah. girl on her horse uh yes. doing tricks and they try to impress each other on their respective, you know horse and motorcycle (laughs) and it's uh (laughs) one of the craziest meet cutes and one of the most ridiculous movies that i ever ever had the pleasure of watching
1: (laughs) what did you think of just the setup for this film
2: what that the dad one wanted to kill everybody and like she wanted to kill her dad thing no no no, i'm
1: talking about the opening scene right it's a 16th birthday and her
0: mom dies in a fiery explosion (laughs) oh the yeah the prologue sure like I didn't know what to expect. It opens with her birthday party and they're like mom will be here and I'm thinking, "Oh, okay. Well, this girl's going to turn out to be crazy because her mom never like never was there. Usually it's the dad, but like maybe it's the mom in this situation." And then she's the mom's like racing to the party and she has a bomb on the car already. Yeah. Already, it was crazy. What do you think the heyday for the time bomb is, right? Because I remember growing up, <laughs> and
1: I felt like time Dude, bombs were like that's awesome more man. a thing in real life, right? And then yeah. know, they sort of disappeared from art and media. It's, but-
2: it's really funny you mentioned that, Brian, because the very next year there is another movie called blown away with Jeff Bridges and Tommy Lee Jones is a mad bomber. And he's setting like time bombs all over the city. I think it's just so weird, but I miss that. I think, I think technology, you know what I mean? Like we have apps and like, better ways to like trigger things with remote access and stuff
1: i don't know i don't know how a teenager i don't care how rich you are how a teenager gets access to that many time bombs
0: like that seems
1: excessive she should be brought on terrorism charges that's i don't
0: know she couldn't have cut the The brakes on the car the choice of murder uh for an erotic thriller you don't see time bombs very often (laughs)
2: Well, that the, the, the it was the dad, right? He's old school.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's nothing sexy about a time bomb. You know, like <laughs> well, stabbing, I mean, you know, strangulation, sure, but time bombs, no.
2: But it's good, like theatrically, because you see the ticking down. You know? Like, yes. Oh, of course. That's of always course. fun. Like, yeah. of course, it's never practical. I, it. I don't think in real life anyone's ever used one. It's a movie. <laughs> invention. <laughs> can you imagine if the time bomb bomber like he got caught. He got caught immediately waiting at home for his bomb to go off. Like what?
0: I mean, I don't I don't have the stats in front of me, but uh I'm willing to bet the time bombs are uh pretty pretty infrequently found.
1: Yeah, so I just wanted to bring up that time bomb thing. I, I don't know, I was getting nostalgic for the time bomb, so
0: I will mention this if you look up time bomb on wikipedia you will find a list of notable incidents involving time bombs going back to 1776
2: i I want more Um, period pieces so we could get like cutting the green wire again and that kind of thing i mean i feel like batman should have had like had to do that he did i guess he came across something similar along the way in one of his movies but like I don't know. I want it to be like Batman needs to cut the green wire, but it's dark. So it looks like there's two blue wires. I
1: don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the Wikipedia article. And I know, you know, plenty of people have died in these time bomb tragedies. I'm not making light of it, but I just doubt they looked like this. Yeah. That classic yeah. movie time bomb with the big clock.
2: Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Like, when has it ever been a, a roll of dynamite with a like... <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: The 90s, 80s time bomb is the digital clock. But you're right. The time bomb previous to that was the classic alarm clock sh- strapped to the dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so I'm just going to go through my notes and, and things that I enjoy that stuck out. If, if I pass something, feel free to cut me off. But I actually do love the idea of a winter ski resort closing down, right? We don't often see Mm -hmm. that setting of like the mountain without the snow. So I thought that was actually cool and something sort of unique for a setting, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. There's something similar to that in the Affleck film Phantoms where it's just something eerie where you're at a place that is usually extremely busy and or like off season things like movies. Like if there was a movie filmed at the beach during the winter, it might feel kind of eerie because there's no traffic or any of that kind of thing. I was getting that
1: sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great one. That's almost the opposite.
0: I would definitely be on board with that. If they had used that to their advantage, any of that, it, it really was just that it was the only time they could get the space to film. It. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously. <laughs> I mean, if they had played on like the creepiness of the empty hotel and the time of year, they only reference it like in passing because literally that's the only time they could get it. Like at the beginning you see them working on this, the chair lifts and there's no snow. And the next shot, there's like a girl wearing full snow gear, holding skis <laughs> talking to Corey. Foley.
1: Oh, good call. Larson, good Larson call.
0: you're, you're paying way too close attention. <laughs> good call though. You're right. But I guess she was like on her way home, uh, like leaving. But but still, they could have done a lot more. They could have talked about how like only the townies are left, like mm-hmm. all the tourists have gone. They could have made more of a thing out of that. But
2: they tried to do some stuff, which I appreciated throughout the film with uh, Feldman and his like walkie talkie strapped to him, which he you could tell he loved that bit of business as an actor. <laughs> like he was in heaven. He's like, cool, I get to wear and use this thing the whole time. And throughout it, you know, they're always like calling him to do odd jobs and pull him away from the scene or this or that. Or So that's another just sort of instance where they're trying to kind of expand The movie, which shit they can't afford to show you, so
1: (laughs) yeah, so true. I guess the other early moment in this film that I really had a lot of notes for is the aforementioned party that they end up attending. When I guess before the party, there is the initial horse incident where Corey Haim sort of horse whispers a little (laughs) bit and like tames a horse. I like seeing that; that was fun, and that's how he gets. You know, Nicole Eggert invites him to a party because he saved her life from a horse. And then ride off like down the mountain on the horse? Like
2: I love seeing Corey ride a horse. I wonder <laughs> I had no idea that was on his resume, but you know, this is a Canadian production. He's from Canada. I guess, you know, I, I guess he learned how to do it as a kid in Canada, maybe, but he looked pretty natural. And this this movie does things that man, like, yeah, they just kind of ride off to the end of the scene and he goes away. Like, I don't know. I feel like the movie does that a lot of times where it just, like, like, will fade out of the scene instead of, like, end it properly, maybe, you know? It was already punctuated with, come to the party. All right, just cut. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need that extra schmaz.
0: That's another way it's, like, the room. It's that they just don't know how to end a scene. <laughs> yeah. So true,
1: so true. And the other thing I was thinking about him on a horse is, like, if he stayed away from the drugs and he like was in more popular movies, we'll say. Do you think he would have been cast in Young Guns?
2: Dude, I was just <laughs> thinking, both of them. Both of them in Young Guns. Right. Yeah. I think that's
1: late 80s, so it's before this, but still like Young Guns 3. Young Guns 3. <laughs> Cuz they were trying to pull from like the Brat Pack people and just like younger Hollywood there. Young Guns obviously. So, I don't know. I I think Corey missed his opportunity there. His goal should have been Young Guns.
2: Yeah, it just goes to show like whoever was like kinda of managing it wasn't aware of maybe everything he was, you know, capable of in that in that way. I don't know. It's because like, 'cause 'cause they're just trying to like this movie. Like do a western instead of this movie. You know, like go go do like I'm not saying do unforgiven, like you're gonna be able to get on that set or anything, but you know, work your way around Ex- expand your abilities and your persona that way. Don't do it by being like, Yeah, I'm a I am aii I'm like a you know, I sleaze, sleep around. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> a weird sleaze. image.
1: Right. Yeah. And speaking of sleaze, the party they end up going to is like just a sleaze fest, just like an eighties. I know it's early nineties, but just from the architecture of that home, I'm sorry. It, it's nice in that era, but it's very late eighties, early nineties to just mm. walking in. And he's like, I got laid. Cause he gets a lay. Ha ha. We get it. But they all need to have like, the invitation to the party written on them and apparently one of their friends has it written on his penis how is that possible did you catch that (laughs) yeah
2: i mean i guess it's uh he gotta be of a certain size
0: i don't know there there are so many there are so many questions this movie left me with and it's not because it has like a clever plot it's (laughs) the writers idiots
2: what i was thinking more was this is Another movie where they rented a mansion to shoot a movie through. Like
1: if you come oh, across yeah. this quite mean, often
0: in, in VHS films, like
1: or pornography.
0: And and the car too probably belonged to the producer, you know? And they yeah. were like, Yeah, let's save some money and shoot in the richest guy's house that we know.
1: And it makes total sense, right? And oh god though. Feldman at this party is they're all disgusting at this party, but Feldman at this party. This is also, yes, Larson, you're right in a sense where it doesn't seem like human beings would say this dialogue, but specifically it doesn't feel like women have ever thought the things that women are thinking in this movie, right? (laughs) Like the guys they're finding attractive and what they're saying about them. And it's just like people don't talk like this and women don't exist like this on earth. I believe that there might be some sleazy guys like this, but what's the theme of this party? Hawaiian lingerie? Yeah.
2: Somewhat, <laughs> something, something to that effect. Something, but but just to kind of build off of like their entrance a little bit, I hate I hate what it kind of says about them when they just come into the party and act like they own the place and like start dancing and taking over and all this shit. I mean what I love so much about swingers is like they go to those parties and they like sit in a corner. Yeah, <laughs> it's cars. real. It
1: feels like a real party.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like this is the worst. It's almost like it felt like it was their party that someone was like throwing for them when it isn't. But I just don't like that image. You know, again, back to that, like they're coming off like total jerk offs. Yeah, Mike,
1: at this at this point you and I are kind of corey scholars.
2: Well, well, hey, <laughs> yeah, thank you very much.
1: <laughs> I just believe that I don't know how much I listen to this director or whatever. I believe, like, oh, it's a party scene. And they acted like they probably would act at at a party that they were frequencing at that time. And they they thought they were hot shit. And they were acting like they were hot shit at this party. And just, I don't know who to root for in this movie. This is a movie where I just find myself, like, I don't know, I guess Corey Haim, right? Because he's, like, hoodwinked into this. But really?
2: Well, what's weird is, and let me know if I'm crazy, guys, uh, is that, like, they're kind of the kind of actors that mostly play sort of the same thing every time, like in the, not, not that they'd ever, I'd ever thought I'd compare them to Clooney, but like Clooney sort of <laughs> does the same thing, you know, it's like drop Clooney's persona into this situation and see what happens. And I feel like it's the same for these guys. And it's just, they've dropped into some bizarro, you know, negative dimension where like everything is just evil and it's like corroding them in their, And, and, ah, it's just, it becomes sort of like painful because they work so well when they're being fun and funny and and happy, you know, when there's more of like a happy edge, even those like action movies we've been watching recently, Brian, like there's such sort of like a levity to that. And Corey's work much better in those kind of uh, settings. I feel this is just rubbing me wrong.
1: Well said. And speaking of rubbing, we get our first uh, sex scene. Oh, uh. <laughs> right after uh. this. And this is uh. so jarring. So a little bit. it's so a little background on this film. I was watching some of the deeper cut Corey films to see if they just qualified. Right? If I see a teenager in, boom, let's do it. And I was. It might have been a Saturday or something, and I was home. I'm just cycling through Corey films, and I, I'm messaging you, Mike. And I'm like hmm, blown away. I wonder if this is. It has two Corys. I want to do another two Corey film. And I didn't know what this movie was about. I didn't know it was an erotic thriller. I just put it on. I was so just floored with the first time one you see Nicole Eggert naked like that, but two, how naked Corey gets, Corey Haim. Yeah, yeah. And again, I know they were dating at the time, but this is long, long sex scenes, a lot yeah. of flesh. Yeah,
0: and and like even for an erotic thriller, it lasted too long. It was shot in a way that just made it seem gross I don't know how they did it and it's Corey Haim like I don't (laughs) want to see Corey Haim doing these things and the only thing I could compare it to is there and the name escapes me but there's a movie with Madonna and Willem Dafoe it's like a legal thriller and they like drip candle wax on each other and they it's. I don't want to see Ooh, Willem Dafoe doing any of that Same stuff, year, but Body of Evidence. It's called Body of Evidence, and the sex <laughs> scenes in that are the only thing that have come close to grossing me out. Like,
2: <laughs> this feels like like home movies. Like it feels like a sex tape or something. Like that's how awkward it feels, especially knowing they were a couple at the time. I don't want to think if they were faking it or any of that kind of stuff during some of this either, but I was, I was very shocked. Like, obviously, you know, these movies, they exploit women. That's part of what they do. You know, that's not great, obviously, but like, I was sort of like, wow, this is exploiting Corey in the same way, you know, like there's, not that that's good either. Not that there's, not that that's like I'm giving the movie credit or anything, but there's a weird thing in my mind that was like, this is evening out in a way where they're both these like teen heartthrobs that are now like ultimately exposed on screen and not in exactly like the best light. So it was again, just, I don't know, disturbing, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I, I think the TV quality of it lends itself to that. Like if it looked like a movie We might have taken it a little more seriously, but it it looked like a TV show. And it it reminded me, there's a story about uh, Pamela Anderson. Uh, Alyssa and I just watched the Pam and Tommy series on Hulu, which is great. Um, So we've become big Pamela Anderson fans. One of her first movies that she did was an action film. And I forget the name, but I'm sure Brian will look it up in two seconds. Was it Barbed Wire? No, it was before Barbed Wire.
2: Wow. And
0: um, it was while she was big on, on Baywatch. But she gets involved in a very graphic sex scene with the lead of that movie. And she apparently she felt awful and violated by it and went to her trailer and called her mom and said she was quitting show business. So, like, I can't watch that movie anymore. And I was thinking to myself, like, God, I wonder if... Uh, this actress was going through a similar thing, but luckily, quote unquote, uh, she's performing it with her boyfriend. But uh, yeah, it reminded me of that Pamela Anderson story. Oh yeah,
1: that's, that's real tough. She's talked about her relationship with Corey. It was traumatic in a sense that he was very much into drugs. She said she'd have to save his life from overdoses a couple of times. She said he was a very sweet person. You know, like there wasn't, she's never made an allegation like that. For him. So I am comforted by the fact that they at least seem to be, again, by her account, like in love, and he just had this drug problem or whatever, right? Yeah. But you're right in a sense, Mike, like almost knowing that also creeps me out, like that they're like, oh, yeah, baby, let's do it like we really do it, you know, and we're watching this, and yeah. ah! (laughs) Like
2: it doesn't in a way that, I mean, I've seen on screen couples before you know like and and maybe it's just the age maybe and not even the age but the age of her character bothers me you know like that's what else like gets in the way too is that like this is statutory like in the movie you know it's against the law or whatever she's not legal yeah but like you know i wouldn't (laughs) I wouldn't mind seeing them do this in another, like, 15 years where they're, like, established and shit. Like, if it was Will Smith and Jada Pinkett, you know, in a movie 10 years ago, like, I'm not that, I'm not as creeped out, I guess. I don't know. There's there's some kind of semantic problem with it, I guess.
1: Yeah. I don't like, too, when the Corys are really trying so hard to look like they're older and be older. Cause I think we get a racquetball scene after this, like that they're just two dudes playing racquetball. All right, we get it. You're adults, you know, cause they don't feel like adults at times, yeah. but then they're being creepy. And sometimes it feels like there's, I know there are actually adults, but sometimes it feels like they're kids playing adults as weird as that sounds.
0: Yeah. I also thought to myself, like what, Twenty-one-year-olds play racquetball. I, I don't know. Maybe well, they do. I <laughs> did. They just have access to a racquetball court. So Probably in the script. But they yeah,
2: they have access to a pool table. Like it's a resort. But what came to mind was that scene in Splash when. Hanks and John Candy are playing rabbit ball and they're basically like in their early 20s in that movie so (laughs) but then again that was like 20 years earlier and they they didn't feel
1: like it though like these kids I call them kids again they feel like they're young I just again believe that it's just like oh yeah see we're showing that we're mature guys so even though we have like a, a summer job that a teenager would have, we still play racquetball and stuff like that. It's just mm-hmm. so many mixed messages here.
2: Yeah, no, it does feel like we're doing this because this is what we heard adults. <laughs>
1: did you like uh Yeah. No, I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I just, I don't even remember when this happens. I just have a quote here that says, "Don't leave." I'm, I'm a popping a chubby here. <laughs> I'll tell you what I like. I'll tell you what I did <laughs> like.
2: I'm gonna go. I got I got a little list of stuff I liked. Uh, the explosions were all very key. Nice back back to time bombs. All the time bombs, they were all very real. There was a bunch of them, a lot of cars and things. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, there was some stunt work that was nice. Some people jumping out of cars. I think uh, Corey's mm-hmm. character dropping down a window. He definitely should have broke his leg. Some stuff like that. It was all right. Um, yeah, but that's, you know... Stuff I like in all kinds of movies, like (laughs) I just happen to be here. It's not instrumental at all.
0: I have to say it was refreshing to see people driving cars and know that they're actually driving and it's not (laughs) like a green screen thing because they never actually shoot people driving anymore because they don't have to.
1: No, you're right.
2: I like that scene when Corey put together that there might be a bomb under his car and he gets out of that one at the nick of time. That was that was pretty cool.
1: Ah again, the essence of the time bomb. I actually enjoyed watching this movie. I did not enjoy the sex scenes in that way, but I laughed a lot oh. in this film. There's a lot it of comedy was, here. Unintentional, probably, but...
0: It's it's going to become a classic. It's going to become a
1: classic at the large... Well, it's, <laughs> it's,
0: yeah, it's definitely going to become a classic in our home. I mean, it's
2: the <laughs> kind of movie... This thing is is less seen than the Star Wars holiday special. I mean, like Lucas did a worse job tracking down that than the director did this
0: yeah yeah and and i mean just like the room again i feel like it's something that would only benefit from watching it in a room full of people even though the sex scenes will make everyone uncomfortable (laughs) but let's pull the curtain back a
1: little bit christian larson you have been one to put on a film in the background at a party where the sex scenes can make people uncomfortable but it's so bad that it's entertaining
0: that's your trademark well, there was one in particular uh, <laughs> called Road to Revenge, a.k.a. Champagne and Bullets. Champagne and Bullets. AKA, yeah. It's incredible. Uh, and and again, it's very much along the line. I think it's slightly lesser quality than Blown Away. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely recommend checking it out.
1: Mike, have you seen Champagne and Bullets? Um, check back with me tomorrow morning. And I'll let you know that I've seen it because <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to watch that shit tonight. I think it was Vinegar Syndrome, but they they uh, released like a 4K one, and I as soon as I saw it at your house, I bought it, and it's, it's glorious. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's it's a vanity project from a lawyer, a Southern California lawyer who has a bigger ego than Tommy Wiseau and Neil Breen combined. Oh, man. Uh,
2: Is that even possible? It's like that character on Futurama (laughs) at one point. He has to wear like a bag over his head because his ego is so big. Dude, I think the three of us, there might be a Vinegar Syndrome podcast calling, like just going down the line of those movies that have been released. Sure, But this
1: film, Mike, you have to watch it. Like he incorporates his music in it and it's just – I love it it's ridiculous yeah, you know,
0: <laughs> he sings he dances
2: i love any auteur project that goes completely off the rails and yeah. even you know more so ones that are like discovered on ebay 20 years later <laughs> Just like released to the public by vinegar Central yeah. so the masses can experience it so as
1: i go through my notes here how many sex scenes do we get like five six there are a lot The one that did make me uncomfortable, again, I laughed a lot, but the one that did make me uncomfortable when he walks into the room and she has her, like, big stuffed duck covering her naked Mm body. it's like, whoa, okay,
0: you're you're really trying to pull, like, this This is an innocent young girl here. Yeah, there was something that grossed me out. Something. There's lots of things that grossed me out. But eventually he gets arrested for the murder of her father. And he's like in the interview room or the holding area. And the cop is like, there's someone here to see you. And she walks in. And the first thing she says is, I need you inside me now. <sighs> Some of the lines are so jarring.
2: Oh. Uh, what about the scene when he follows her to the strip club? And like pulls her off stage so the before the bikers attack her or oh something. God. Why do, that I forget inclined?
0: what she was doing at that bar. Was she buying time.
2: I think she was buying time
0: bombs.
1: Oh, that was yes. the time bomb dealer—the guy who looked like George <laughs> Michael, kind of. He, he had the George Michael, uh, you know, kind of beard from that era. Yeah, yeah, that really yeah. like it looks like it
0: was drawn on. <laughs> yeah, she goes. She goes to like a sleazy roadhouse. Sits down and, like, slides an envelope of cash across, and he gives her a package full of time bombs. <laughs> wow!
2: how about the uh, uh cla- there's a, a reversal of a classic comedy, usually a comedy bit, when he's having dinner at her house with the father, and usually it's the girl
0: that slips her foot into yeah, the Yeah, oh, it's
1: Corey with his foot in her crotch.
0: It's the worst. <laughs> there's another line that I made a note of. I think it's like the good girl because there's only one other female character and it's like the anti Megan. And at one point she says, like, if I see your face around here, I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> <laughs> and then she pauses and then says, All over it. <laughs> so you didn't have to you didn't have to say all over it. You could you know, you've painted a picture, you don't need to elaborate.
1: That's not like a director or editor just cuts you know yeah. it's not like oh this is that was the best take really i feel bad for that yeah. girl because yes she's the good girl but also like i didn't understand her motivation so much she's so in love with Corey Haim, and he just treats her like crap so much yeah. that she has to hook up with Corey feldman and poor actress has to kiss both Corey Haim and Corey feldman in the same way that's, yeah. me, that's me and
2: that's me. Poor, poor both actresses have to i mean the yeah. colleague has to have on-screen so, sex with both of them yeah talk about eskimo brothers
0: oh and Corey feldman has that scene with the nice girl where you first see that creepy side of him where he's like he'll never take you back you're damaged goods and then he like rips her blouse open and
2: oh does that he does that too well like uh...
0: well they're they're teasing
1: his creepiness because they mentioned that like he killed the family dog and that's never a good sign in a movie or in real life if you do that but they're like oh because he was abused i don't know yeah they're they're Uh, teasing his creepiness but they don't have to tease it much because almost every time he's on scene
0: he feels creepy yeah 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 we're like all over the place on this but that's kind of the only way we'll be able to do this because if we went like scene by scene and believe me we could we could do an entire series just on this movie. <laughs> but but we we would have an eight hour podcast because there's so much to talk about here
1: so much this is one guys i i saw it on voodoo i don't know where else and i don't really watch voodoo a lot but i don't know where else you could find it just find it online and watch it vinegar syndrome if you're listening make a new version of this yeah i i want to sell yeah. feldman
0: commentary feldman commentary definitely. feldman
1: commentary absolutely you know what i kept thinking about this movie as well uh it's wayne's world two with um kim basinger and garth how she's like trying <laughs> she's trying to convince them to kill the husband but you know first they have a romance and there's a lot of
0: those oh, lines yeah. in this too like oh i just wish my father was dead you would yeah, do that yeah like, you know <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a reason why it was in Wayne's World too, and it's because it's a cliche, it's a trope, you know? <laughs> very popular in that era. I mean, we probably should talk about the big twist ending because that's really what ties it all together. Okay,
1: okay, yes, yes, for sure. But before the ending, my oh, big, big thing that I was like, I have so many notes on this was so she puts a time bomb in the dad's motorcycle or dirt bike or something. Yeah. Corey goes down and he looks for it. And I guess he doesn't find it or maybe he does. I don't know. Cause she whispers to him, her plan. She's like, I put a time bomb in his bike. We're going to be rich. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And it's like the most elaborate setup for her because she has to make it look like Corey kind of killed her dad and they have to somehow go dirt biking on the cliffs together. And we get, we get like a good nineties, dirt bike scene that ends with a time bomb and someone being thrown off a cliff. And, yes. and the dad climbing up the cliff, grabbing Corey, right. falling off the cliff again, going Motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> what an intense yes. sequence!
2: Ah. Uh. Corey so saying good. stuff like, it wasn't me. I, ah. Like, I didn't want to do it and stuff, right? Like, ah. but it doesn't yes. save the dad. Why don't you save the dad and then get the, then you're free, man. You could arrest the girl and leave this crazy movie.
0: Or mention there's a time bomb there. I don't know. <laughs> well, I remember like, you know, the movie opens with the mom dying in a time bomb <laughs> explosion and I just got to say, this is the most times I've ever said time bomb in my life uh, is this conversation. But so you see the time bomb blow up the mom's car in the beginning. And later, uh, Megan is like, oh, uh, my mom got into an accident. It was drunk driving. And it's like, what shitty cops? They didn't find the bomb. There was a fucking bomb there. And. Later, when he's like worried about this motorbike bomb thing, she's like, Don't worry, the bomb will burn up in the explosion. Like, (laughs) (laughs) when has that ever happened? Like, she put the bomb uh, in the gas tank,
2: so it's uh, sure to be incinerated. There's
0: ways of finding. I know,
2: yeah. There's evidence.
0: Because you would see, why did this
1: bike blow up like this? Like, that's not a normal thing. I remember growing up, there was like a belief that like a computer could explode, you know, like if you left it on or (laughs) something. Yeah. Like that, it feels like akin to that. Like, I guess there was a belief at the time that things could just explode like that. And I know obviously a car and a motorcycle, gas could ignite, but this is a little bit different. This is a bomb. Um, Well, like, wasn't it like the Pinto
2: was the car that, like, if you hit it with a hammer, it would explode? Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe they're Something harkening like back that. to that. <laughs> I just think, again, like, it's my favorite kind of movie logic, and it's Simpsons logic. It's just, like, everything just needs to explode. <laughs> like, uh, that's just what it comes down
0: to. And there's, there's another scene w- that really kind of made me confused, is that when Corey Haim finds the nice girl... Uh, dead in the woods he first sees a horse like across a field <laughs> and he's like hmm, that's odd and he starts walking towards the horse and when he's halfway to the horse he, step, he he bumps into something and he looks down and he's shocked by the dead body and it's like that dead body was in the middle of the field you had to have seen it <laughs> while you were walking towards the horse like what the fuck I oh it, this movie oh What was her motivations for killing that girl? I think maybe Feldman killed her, like, independently. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I think so, too.
2: There's just, like, yeah, the jealousy. There's a streak of that going around.
1: Gotcha. And his calling card is not the time bomb. It's other things, perhaps. That's why he, you know, uh, loosens the saddle or something along those lines. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Sorry. Um, This is great. I'm patching this elaborate web together
0: i mean it's the kind of movie you've got to watch five times to get everything
1: might be even better with uh maybe a couple beverages in you in in a group (laughs) in a a group setting oh it's one of those
2: intricate puzzles of a film that just (laughs) requires you know multiple screenings
1: how about the blown away shot game right like every time you see a time bomb you got to take a shot that works for a party. They never
2: made a Nintendo game out of this one. What? Why not?
0: <laughs> or a board game?
2: <laughs> yeah, at the least, that seems like something. You know, if this gets, if we get copies of this printed through Vinegar Syndrome, maybe there'll be like a Mondo
0: puzzle. Or like that. <laughs> I'm sure it can't be hard to get the licensing to Blown Away. <laughs> you
2: know? I don't know. Nicole Eggert might be, you know, like George Lucas in it. Like I said, going around the country collecting every copy. Uh, <laughs> trying to scrub
1: knows it from she, the
0: God she should.
1: <laughs> please, please, Vinegar Syndrome. Please make this. <laughs> Let's just get to that big ending, though. The big twist. His brother, Wes, Corey Feldman, was in league the entire time with Nicole Eggert. This was all a big ploy to gain control of the ski resort that her father owns. Well, really the money, right? And take over, essentially, and get all their enemies out of the picture. Starting with the mom, apparently.
2: What what an amazing, amazingly small ambition they have! Like now we will we will have our ski resort, and in the off seasons we won't be busy. <laughs> <laughs> but in the or <laughs> but in the winter it will be awesome. <laughs> like, it sounds well, pretty like awesome it. to me. I don't know we if I would use time bombs. That can happen.
1: But...
2: <laughs> yeah, it just it's like they didn't want to just get the hell out of there together, but. I
1: don't know. I just love this reveal. So they, it's so obvious that this girl's bad news at this point, but when she bails him out of jail, she's like, Hey, I'm gifting you my car that I said was stolen. Just
0: take it and drive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take this other car. Don't, don't worry about it.
1: Like as if he hasn't seen that this is her MO at this point, <laughs> and what it would blows up, but he figures it out and survives. He does enough where, you know, spoiler alert, but he's able to alert the cops because he just shows up to confront his brother and her. And do you guys remember the line he says when he goes creepily in the corner to confront them?
2: Says something about like his legendary wang or something.
1: He goes just and, and yes. serious acting. Wes and his amazing penis. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's the line they chose. Do
0: you think, do you
2: think they discussed that like Corey Feldman's like, I got an idea for for a line, and he like runs it past Corey Haynes. He's like, he's like, yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, we'll that. put it in. Talk to the start. <laughs> talk to the Stargate guy. Have him put that in.
1: Yeah, yeah, put him in. Because that's definitely that was her motivation here.
2: What- I wonder if this plot was reused for an episode of Stargate, and like season two. Or something. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> and I love, I love how Nicole Egard dies by shooting two pistols in one in each hand, like like it's some kind yeah. of old timey like mob thing or like a cowboy.
1: Oh. Guns blazing <laughs> I was thinking Tarantino with that. <laughs> and it's kind of cool, I think, that she was also just using Feldman the whole time because as soon as as soon as she thinks she could weasel out of this one by killing him, she does. She, she just goes, oops. But uh, you know was
0: wearing a wire, apparently. She kills Feldman, and then she's like, I, I didn't want to do any of this. Uh, Corey Feldman made me, <laughs> you know, whatever his name is. And and for a brief... Se- and she's like, we could still run away together. And for a brief second, Corey Haim, the sap that he is, <laughs> you can see that he just might believe it, but no. I mean, they do make a very good point throughout the movie, of showing Corey Hain being like, we're in love, like, I love her, so I'm gonna ignore all these red flags. Yeah, and then a fiery, fiery explosion, uh, <laughs> not explosion, a fiery shootout, which is great, very, uh, very Tarantino ish. Yeah.
1: It just kind of ends there. I was surprised because often these films have a, like some kind of coda. But sometimes they don't, right? We we're so close to a freeze frame of like <laughs>
0: a dead Corey on the ground and one walking away. But we we do get Corey like with the blanket and the EMTs and like a yes. classic like thriller ending.
2: <laughs> oh, it would have been great if Corey like turned to the screen and his eyes were yellow. <laughs> Come
0: on. Bum 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 bum
2: <laughs> Vincent Price just cackles.
1: Vincent, Vincent Price's <laughs>
0: laughter brings us into the credits.
1: <laughs> well, that was blown away, guys. I was blown away.
2: <laughs> I think I think I could definitely watch it again with like a a, a no sex edit. You know what I'm saying? Like I need the huh. cut without the hardcore sex. And I'm good to go like just just fade in fade out. And I would definitely watch all the stuff in between again, because uh, it is pretty insane, kind of hilarious. And I will just stick to my theory that like, yeah, this is like supposed to be for normal adults, (laughs) like like 30 year olds, even 40 year olds, like Michael Douglas as the dad and like. You know, like his stepson messing around with his wife or something. I don't know. But <laughs> like that's that's the original cut. And then they like retro corried it, fit it for them to play in it. Oh, whatever. Maybe not, but that's how it feels, and it was
1: nuts. Well, they still have young person jobs, and that's the only thing tripping me on that theory, right? Maybe they changed their jobs, who knows? But they still have like your ski school kind of jobs, you know? So who the hell yeah. knows? But the, again, this is a blast talking about. It, but so let's get to our awards. Very curious, very curious what you guys are going to say about this one and grade. It's a hard one to grade. But first, we always start with this: Who was this movie
0: made for? Corny teenagers. Well, I mean, I think they they had loftier ambitions, <laughs> but it it was made for thirteen year old Mike Manzi and Christian Larson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
2: mean, what were they thinking? Like the con film festival like (laughs) no sundance like is this a darling it blows my mind i'm with larson like this was definitely whether they liked it or not like the distributors like shit the only people like i think that we can market this to that'll take it seriously are teenagers (laughs) like
1: everyone else is gonna see right through this some of these questions are so weird for today but you know, it's, it's the process. It's what we do on High Lumber Party. We got, we got to stick to it. Most likely to succeed. Which character won the movie? Why don't you go first, Mike?
2: Uh, Corey Haim, right? <laughs> he survived.
1: He survived. Yeah. <laughs> do you concur, Larson, or uh, do you have an alternate?
0: <laughs> I mean, I'd like to say Corey Haim, but I hated his character. So <laughs> I'm going to go with the cop. The cop. Solved the crime, you know. He wasn't very
1: good at it. I mean, he should have solved it a no. lot earlier with all these time bombs. But
0: I liked him a lot better than literally any other character in the movie.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Wooderson Award. Is there a character here who you maybe like that you would have liked to have seen more of? Anyone's character that you would want to amplify their role in the film a bit?
2: Uh, maybe, like, the 90210 girl could amp up her role a little better, make make her around a little bit more Corey's ex
1: i liked her she just yeah she died suddenly almost but
0: yeah maybe her how about yeah. you larson her i i agree with that i think i think they could show that she has an actual real connection with Corey Haim, and not like <laughs> a pure a purely physical one like with megan and also like i think they could have gotten a lot more into the rich kids versus townies Thing. Ooh, one of
1: your favorites
0: more more than that i think there was a lost opportunity with that in general especially they could have had something go down at that big party they went to at the beginning like you're not supposed to be here townie you know or something like that but uh but yeah she should have had more to do
1: couldn't agree with you more
0: Cameron fry award
1: did i look too old to be a teenager we only have really one teenager here right so this is a hard one to yeah. say Didn't, and, and whatever she fit the bill i guess i don't know
0: well, she's, I, I believe I read she was 21. I, yeah. I think everyone was 21 uh, <laughs> when this was made. So largely that's the problem, right? It's not that someone looks
1: too old for their age. It's just they all look the same age. It did not look, as we've echoed the entire time, they did not look the ages necessarily of the characters they were supposed to play. They felt like kids playing adults at times. Yeah. And yeah they did seem like yeah. contemporaries rather than like the older guy, you know, taking advantage yeah. of the, the younger girl like i didn't
0: feel that but that was the big that was the big age related issue was just like i don't want to see any of these people being sexy <laughs> I, I yeah. just i mean even nicole eggert like she's supposed to be a 17 year old girl in the movie so like no it's all just gross all of it's no. gross because
1: couldn't they have just made th- that she just turned 18 like why do they have to do yeah. that she just turned 17
2: also like Wouldn't she have to wait until she's 18 to, like, get the inheritance and all that kind of stuff and start, like, taking control? But, ah,
1: it's weird. Who knows the laws of Canada? Certainly I do not. (laughs) (laughs) And and the ski resort laws are... Oh, yeah. It's a whole different ballgame. game. <laughs> whole different type of law to practice, right? Ski law? Yes. Oh, I'd watch that movie. Ski law.
2: <laughs> and then you could do surf law. Man, oh, the no
1: franchise right here. Maybe I'll edit that out of the podcast and we can talk about this after. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. We don't want anyone ripping us off.
2: <laughs> I already got it written.
1: <laughs> we have to do something that's going to be very, very difficult, I think, and that's grade the film. And of course, this isn't This isn't a fancy old grading system. It's grade with your heart. A plus to F scale on High School Slumber Party. But, of course, I do want to provide you with a cheat sheet. Rotten Tomatoes, not enough critics rated this film. Only three, so that doesn't qualify as a score. So no score by them. 35% by the audience. The nerds on Letterboxd, those film auteurs who love, love cinema. 2.3 out of 5 over there. I know, wow. Mike. I know. I need to get. I need to get a letterboxed to, to maybe alter this a little bit. But so 2.3, as I relook it up, 2.3 out of five. Not a very popular film on Letterboxd. It has only two fans. So only two people gave it the good old five stars and said it's one of their favorite films. Um, and there's an ad.
2: One pad. of them is Austin Wolf Southern. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look. I
1: don't know. I got this.
0: Oh, ad. I bet. I bet he would love this movie. I'm sure he's seen it.
1: I don't know, but Austin, if you're listening, this is one we'll definitely recommend to you. Oh, my God. Let's see who the two fans are. It is not Austin. I don't even see that he has seen this film. Ooh, we might have found something for him. We're not going to play the Fast and Furious game. I'm just going to tell you their other favorite films. Um, there's one called Savage Streets. I don't know that one. Oh, yeah. Linda Blair. Linda. Oh, yeah. Linda Blair. There's one called They Shoot Horses, Don't They?
2: Oh, okay. You know that one? <laughs> I've, yeah, I can't recall who's in it,
1: but and there's one Stallone film that I have actually seen called Cruising. Are you guys familiar with that one? Where he's like an oh, isn't isn't
2: that Pacino? Oh, Pacino, Pacino, oh, Pacino yeah. yeah,
1: Pacino. It's a Pacino film called Cruising, where he's like an undercover cop in the in the seedy gay scene of Manhattan. But is he gay? <laughs> so uh, this person clearly likes a certain type of film. So we salute you, Annabelle from London. <laughs> Her aside, A plus to F scale, Mike. Since since you're the Corey veteran, I'll hand you uh, the Manila card, and, or you could you could you could defer.
2: No, no, no. I'll go. I'll go.
1: I'll hand you the Manila card. I'll hand you the red pen. What will you grade? Blown away. Oh, oh boy.
2: Um, you know, like lately, I've just been I've been giving them real grades. You know what I'm saying? And like, as entertaining and uh, misguided, <laughs> and incredibly off the rails this movie is like it's a total failure you know what i'm saying like i don't think i've ever given an f and i'm not giving this thing an f but it's definitely like a d plus for me and i wish i could have enjoyed it for the first time as an adult but i had (laughs) oh i had a memory of it as a teenager and a lot of that like kind (laughs) of got in the way because i knew scenes and things that were coming and i didn't have any surprise I had, like, a certain, you know, expectation or whatever. So um, I could totally understand someone our age seeing this for the first time, just discovering this, becoming, uh, like, an A movie, like, instantly. So with that, you know, not failing the movie, but not really passing it either.
1: Ooh, because of your battle scars. How about you, Larson?
0: (laughs) Well, Mike, it's funny that you should say that because I'm giving it a solid A. I knew it. I knew
2: it. Yes,
0: it's it's a movie that I can't wait to show other people. Uh, And the only reason, (laughs) the only reason it's not getting an A plus is because the sex scenes are so fucking creepy. (laughs) But yeah, I love it. I really need to get it on VHS, and I thank you guys for bringing it to my attention because it's (laughs) it's one of the new classics. I love it. I love hearing
1: that yeah me too. <laughs> I gave it a B plus um I had so much fun watching this movie. It, it might be an A but again, I don't want people to think I'm a creep <laughs> but this was Mike and I could say this like we are having so much fun on oh, yeah. on Corinthians 2, on on our second Cory series Corey 202 as I've been calling it in my head because maybe it was a Corey 101 last year Corey 202 this year. The two Corys, too. We are just discovering some gems, and and this is one of them. This should not exist. This sh- is a punchline, I think. Oh, an erotic thriller starring the two Corys, and yet it does. And uh, it did not disappoint with how much fun it is to watch and how funny it is. So B plus. Yeah. Thinking about that hey. A, but I'll stick with the B plus just in ca- just just in case. <laughs> some
2: some of the best movies are punchlines. I mean, <laughs> like. Wolfman and Frankenstein stuttered out as a joke around the lot. So <laughs> it's, it's a terrific movie. <laughs> so there you go. Sleeping
1: bag question, guys. And I'm going to usurp oh, you. I'm going to go first on this one because what sleeping bag would you bring to the blown away slumber party? I'm bringing the time bomb sleeping bag. I want to honor the time bomb. So <laughs> oh, mine just yeah. looks like a big time bomb. So now that that's off the table, uh, Larson, mm. you first. What does your blown away sleeping bag look like?
0: Okay, so I love old American cars from the 70s and 80s, hoopties, I like to call them. And you see them a lot in movies. And maybe I've watched too many movies like this, but when you see a certain car, you know that it's going to get trashed in a movie because you know they bought it at a used car lot the week before. (laughs) And that's why, because it's going to explode or it's going to go off a cliff or something. And in the opening scene, the mom is driving this great, like, Cadillac Hoopty. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, that motherfucker's gonna explode. <laughs> but it's also just like a really cool, old, boxy, like, 80s car. Uh, so my uh, sleeping bag is going to look like Megan's mom's car.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. I love
0: that. I love that. Hoopty is the term? Yeah, uh, uh, like a like a big, boxy, yeah. 70s or 80s American car. Yeah.
1: You don't see those anymore. I was just commenting to my wife, like, the only cars of the 90s, besides, like, classic cars that people really take care of, uh, are those, like, boxy Corollas. You still see them around occasionally, right? Like, the really big American cars of the 80s and 90s, if you didn't take care of them, they're no longer surviving. So when I see them in a yeah, movie, yeah. there's a little nostalgia to them. So that's an awesome pick. Mike, we gave you plenty of time. What does your blown away sleeping bag look like? The duck.
0: Oh, the duck. Oh! <laughs> Just a big fucking duck. <laughs> big fucking duck. <laughs> I'm going to
1: like, this is, this is the creepiest gift I can give to you guys. But if I could find... Like someone on Etsy to embroider a pillow with naked Nicole Eggert with a duck covering her to have in your homes. That's what I would give to you.
2: Oh, but you could, I mean, not to give you ideas or anything, not that my birthday's coming up, it's not. But, like, you could just take a screenshot and send it somewhere to print it off onto a pillow or a giant blanket or maybe, say, a (laughs) carpet.
1: Yeah, they would think of the biggest creeps in the world. (laughs) Oh, man, great picks there, but you guys know. My favorite, favorite, favorite segment every week. And we've already mentioned some. Maybe you'll pick from those. Maybe you won't. But it is the old blockbuster question. Rent two movies, get one free. The three of us, we're marching in a blockbuster. We smell that plastic. We know we're renting blown away. And we get online and we see a sign that says, rent two movies, get one free. And I say, let's make this a really, really long one tonight. Mike, Larson, go to the back of the store. Pick two other films each, so we're gonna have a lot of recommendations today. Two other films each that you would want to watch with the aforementioned Blown Away for our Blown Away Slumber Party. Uh, Mike, as the veteran, you go first. Mm.
2: Ah, all right, I I bet Larson's gonna have the better picks here, just <laughs> in his uh, all right at his disposal. But I'm gonna try. Oh, this is really tough. I've I've got four films here. So I'm going to have to narrow it down to two. And I want my answers to be funny. Um, okay. I'm going to say number one is 1994 Stargate. Nice. Well, Red Stargate, since the <laughs> writer of this, went on to write the TV show. We'll see where that all began. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we'll go we'll start there. And then I was gonna I was gonna pick an obvious one, but I'm gonna go since the Coreys were brothers in this movie and they were with the same woman, uh I'm gonna go with the two thousand nine Toby McGuire, Jake Gyllenhaal, Natalie Portman movie Brothers. Interesting. Where <laughs> oh, wow. wow Toby is considered uh DOA or dead. He's dead in the military. He died at war. Jake Ellen all steps in and marries his wife and uh takes care of the kid and then Toby shows back up. <laughs>
0: so we'll see how that night goes. Love so those it. Those are my picks.
1: <laughs> Love those picks. Okay, Larson. What you got for us?
0: Okay. Well, a lot of times when I do this segment, I'm I'm a little unsure even going into the end, but this time I knew exactly what I was picking <laughs> halfway through the movie. Uh, the first one is a movie from 1990 called Terminal Bliss. And it was supposed yeah. to launch Luke Perry into mainstream success on the big screen, but it didn't quite work. And the whole movie is like a, a terrible Brett Easton Ellis ripoff, like a less than zero kind of situation. Oh, wow. About about like idle rich uh, kids about to go off to college and somebody dies under mysterious circumstances. And it's, it's supposed to be very dramatic, but it's Luke Perry. so And it's <laughs> supposed to be sexy. And, but it reminded me very much, especially the aesthetics, although Terminal Bliss actually looks like a movie. The other one is a movie from 1993, uh, I believe, the same year as Blown Away, uh, and it's called Aspen Extreme, Ooh, and it's about man. it's about two small town ski uh, slope workers who decide to drop everything and move to Aspen, where the real money is, and uh, both of them get mixed up in in different uh, horrible paths. I think one of them meets like a rich older woman and the other one develops a drug problem from the Aspen nightlife. Uh, It's not very good, uh, (laughs) but it's, but it definitely reminded me of, you know, I kind of thought that that was the direction they were going to go with this with like the two small town uh, guys who work on a ski resort. And there's a lot of class issues, of course, that come up. That didn't come up and Blown Away. But yes, those are my two. Terminal Bliss and Aspen Extreme.
1: Love it, love it, guys. So I'm going to make some picks this time because I really want to put Champagne and Bullets up on the Instagram. So uh, (laughs) we already promoted it a lot here. So Champagne and Bullets. And another film that I was thinking of that it's definitely more Hollywood, but it came out around the same time, sort of erotic thriller, is uh, Single White Female, Bridget Fonda, Jennifer Jason (laughs) Leigh. Yeah. Okay. So going to recommend that and throw that on there. Uh, So yeah, I think we gave some good recommendations today. This was so fun. Like I said, we've been talking these Corey movies, Larson. And when this one came up, I also, Mike texted you and I was like, all right, we got to talk this one, but we got to bring Larson on. So thank you for joining us to talk this film. I'm so glad you
0: enjoyed it enough that you want to share it with the world. So really appreciate Uh, that. I mean, thank you guys being exposed to this. Uh, no pun intended, uh, was was life-changing, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh,
2: that's such a that's such a pleasure to hear, to be honest with you. And it's, like, it's been so great having a guest to break up some of this Corey craziness as
0: well and get some extra insight. So thanks again. Uh, anything you want to plug, Larson? Uh, what do I have to plug? Uh, well, I'm working at the Story Screen Movie Theater in Beacon, New York right now. It's a wonderful little neighborhood spot. Story screen beacon. Check it out if you're in the Hudson Valley area. Awesome.
1: That sounds really cool. All right, Mike, want to do your plugs or I mean.
2: Yeah, a couple just new episodes. I would talk about those. uh, But there's a new Hanks, new Hanks for the memories. We watched watched the the Finch movie with uh, Hanks, a dog and a robot. So check that one out. And there's gonna be a new Elvis probably by the time this comes out. Blue Hawaii. Great Classico. movie. Love that one. Yeah, great, great soundtrack there. Monsters That Made Us with Dan Cologne, last Friday of every month. CageClub.me, Facebook.com slash cageclub.
1: Well again, this this was perfect, guys. Thank you so much. And looking forward to having y'all back for another one. Big thank you to our guest, Christian Larson, for being such an awesome sexpert on the erotic thriller this was a weird one blown away but it's definitely one you should check out if you're into this kind of schlocky stuff oh I need to watch this again <laughs> Mike Mansey was great as always he'll be back for next episode and it'll be your homework because we're going to try to dislodge as much Corey material into the upper atmosphere as we can at least all the episodes we've recorded And the next episode is a werewolf movie kind of a horror movie It stars Corey Haim. Among others, it stars Gary Busey, too, if you're curious. Why don't I play the trailer? Because your homework will be to watch Silver Bullet.
0: I gotta talk to you. You won't let go of it, will you? I saw what I saw. Psychotics are more active when the moon is full. And this guy's a psycho. Psycho.
2: When they catch him, you're going to find out he's just as human as you and
0: me. You have got to get this idea out of your head. There are no such things as werewolves. The Bible tells us to fear the terror of the beast.
1: I am scared to death. What are we gonna do?
0: I think I know. I want you to turn this into a silver bullet.
2: Tech, you're gonna shoot a .44 bullet at anyway. Ain't not a silver. Nobody would. The moon is full. You better watch
1: it
0: think he's going to come after me.
1: Are you ready? You see how all things serve the will and the mind of God. You see,
0: you meddling little
1: That's going to be a fun episode, so stay tuned to this feed and check it out. Once again, follow us on social media. Class participation is a huge part of your grade, and it's going to be necessary if we're going to graduate. I really don't even know what's going to happen. i got to speak to the superintendent. Anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. But I have to remind myself that life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop looking around once in a while, you could miss it. Oh, before I forget... I almost missed this. Mike Manzi and I have another project I want you to check out. It's called Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. Right now we're talking the Paramount Plus show, The Offer, but eventually we'll get into the films of Francis Ford Coppola, so looking forward to that. Looking forward to doing that show and more episodes coming out in, in your feedback, so definitely, definitely check that out. So I'm going to leave you with the same song I left you with to go into the episode. It is Yvonne Murray's Hooked on you. It is a glorious, glorious, weird romance song from this movie. It does not really fit with the tone of the movie. It's not a bad song necessarily for the genre, but to be honest with you, there was like no clips of this film online. It's kind of a rare one, and yet YouTube had this entire song, so I feel like I have to play it again. <laughs> Little dudes.